You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. In this six-episode series, we are spotlighting some of the most visionary business owners from Bracebridge, Ontario. If you haven't heard of Bracebridge, it's a very charming small town two hours north of Toronto, and it's filled with passionate, hardworking, and creative entrepreneurs. Today, I'm sitting down with Miranda Britton, who is an artist and jeweler that crafts modern, minimalist pieces inspired by the natural world. She also operates the Britton Gallery, a shop downtown Bracebridge that's filled with fine art and jewelry. In this episode, we chat about how she found her love of fine art, jewelry, and crafting, what inspired her to start sharing her art with the world versus keeping it as a personal hobby, grappling with being an artist and creator while also needing to work on the business. We talk about how her social media has played a role in helping her grow her business and in connecting with clients, and so much more. I really loved this conversation with Miranda, and I know you guys will too. If you want to snap a quick screenshot, let us know that you're listening and definitely tag Miranda. She's at Miranda Britton on Instagram or her website is MirandaBritton.com. And of course, if you are planning a visit up to Bracebridge, Ontario, you can head to visitthebridge.ca and you can find all important details about planning your trip right there. So enjoy this episode with Miranda and I will see you on the other side. Miranda, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast, where we are spotlighting a series of Bracebridge entrepreneurs right now. So we are so excited to sit down with you. I feel like you have a lot going on in your life and you're just multi-passionate. And we were just chatting in the pre-chat about the animals you have recently adopted and the kids being at home. So I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. Looking forward to chatting. Let's get in with some quick fire questions. So first off, where did you grow up and where do you live now? So I grew up in Bracebridge, just um, not far from the downtown, just down the hill from Woodchester Villa and the Chapel Gallery. Um, went to BPS and BMLSS and then moved away to BC for university. And then um, actually when I was in high school, my parents moved out to Windermere. So like half an hour outside of Bracebridge. And then after university, I moved back and ended up um, building a house in Windermere. So that's where I am now. But I um, own a gallery in Bracebridge. So I'm sort of between the two. Mm. When did you find your love of fine art and jewelry and crafting? Has that always been a part of you? Or was that something you found into your adulthood? Take us back to when the spark ignited. (laughs) Um, I think always, like I was always rearranging my room and wanting to make things for my room and for my dolls. Like when I was a little kid, always pretty creative. Um, Also spent a lot of time outside. I grew up horseback riding and was always at the farm down the road and um, building things and making things outside too. So that's always been a thing for me. Um, My parents were always very into the arts. My mom did some painting as a hobby, but um, they were huge there. My mom passed away. So it's just my dad now, but, uh, like huge collectors of art. And we always went to art shows and galleries. Every trip we went on as a family was sort of, we went to all the galleries, always had to, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether the kids wanted to or not. But, um, yeah, so it was just always part of my life. And I think in high school, I started to really gravitate towards, um, visual art and sculpture and painting. And then, 
at the end of high school made the decision to apply for um, post-secondary visual art education. And so that's what I did. I went to Simon Fraser um, out in Vancouver and did a visual art degree. Did you know that you wanted to start a business upon graduating from your visual yeah. art degree? Or like, what did you imagine life was going to look like when school ended? Um, I, you know, I didn't really have a solid plan. I, both of um, my parents, like they were very adamant about us going to school for something that we cared about and were interested in and they kind of felt like the rest would follow. Um, both of my older brothers went into sort of more traditional and both have an interest in art as well, but sort of other other avenues, maybe a bit more practical than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just that's what I was passionate about. So I just kept doing that. And I, you know, I didn't really have a plan for when I finished school. Um, I mean, I, I could have stayed in Vancouver and applied for jobs in galleries, but then uh, both my parents had some health issues right when I was graduating. So I ended up coming back and they owned newspaper businesses in the area in Bracebridge. Mm -hmm. And so I had worked for them for forever. And so after finishing school, I, you know, needed to, needed a job. (laughs) Um, So I came back to learn some of the financial stuff um, with my mom. And then she was diagnosed with leukemia shortly thereafter. So I ended up like they had five businesses that they ended up selling to Metroland. So it was kind of trial by fire. I did do the due diligence for Metroland and like with my fine art degree, like, oh yeah, I know everything about accounting and like talking to corporate accountants. (laughs) I learned a lot really quickly. No kidding. (laughs) But I was there for like four years doing that because my mom was sick for three and a half years. And then after she passed away and the sale happened all kind of at the same time, um, I stayed on for a little bit. And was like, well, I could stay here working in accounting with my art degree. (laughs) And I mean, it was one thing when it was my parents' business, but I just, uh, I had this feeling that I just grieving my mom that I needed to get back to making. And so I, on a whim, looked up the Halliburton School for the Arts and saw that jewelry making was being offered the next term. And so I was like, I'm going to go take that. I'm going to quit my job here at the newspaper and I'm going to go take that. And jewelry was something it's like, I had always been interested in metalworking, but maybe on a larger scale, like I wanted to learn to weld, but it was just sort of the timing of the program. And I'd always loved jewelry, like always gravitated towards it. My mom and I were both like any craft show or whatever, always looking at the jewelry. So I thought, you know, it's something I'm interested in. I sh- and I just needed where my head was at. I needed to dive into something. And I knew that like I needed to be making. And and my visual art education had been very conceptual too. So I just really wanted to learn some skills. Mm. So that's, yeah, just the Halliburton program was a, kind of a quick and dirty, learn the basic skills. I already kind of had the design conceptual background from my university days that I just was like, I want to go make some stuff. and. Mm-hmm. just think about that like really intensely yeah and so that's what I did and then after that I just kept making jewelry <laughs> and that's where it all kicked off well I think yeah. you know your your story is really relatable because I think a lot of people find themselves working in jobs that maybe you know they didn't necessarily choose for themselves but maybe their family kind of pushed them into it or maybe it was just a job that was given to them right out of high school or right out of university and then one day it kind of dawns on you like do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life? Like, is this my true calling? Is this how I'm going to spend my nine to five for the next 30 or 40 years? And I think that's this weird transition period in a lot of people's lives where either they say, yes, I'm okay with just kind of putting my head down and working the job, even though it sucks the living daylight out of me. Or in your case, it was like, I got to make a change here. And like, I don't exactly know what I'm doing. I don't know what the business is going to look like, but you know, this arts program in Halliburton is calling me and I'm going to go pick up the call and just kind of see where that adventure takes you. So it's just like a good reminder that sometimes those feelings when you're thinking about the future and you don't know what to do, sometimes taking the leap is literally the best thing you can do and just give yourself permission to go explore what else is out there and to go take that course that's been, you know, nudging at you for a while. Totally. And I think for me, having the like 
a huge life event like my mom dying was uh, like I'm I'm I mean I am a risk taker obviously I live my life as an artist so there's yeah. risk involved with that um but it's I it just that that sort of perspective shift that I was like I need to do something that I enjoy doing like right now mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was a really good strong push at that time to just go and do that and and I mean it all kind of fell into place being in Halbert and I met um some wonderful women there's like such a great community there who I'm still very close with and it was just like exactly where I needed to be like just really wonderful nurturing people and yeah and mm-hmm. it was such a strong art community there too so while you were in school did you start to formulate an idea of what you would do when you graduate or like when does it all come together that you're like I'm gonna do this as a business <laughs> I, I think so. Like I just, once I got into it, I was like, I could do this. Um, I still, because I had developed those sort of accounting bookkeeping skills um, because I had to working for my parents, I did have a couple of clients. Um, mm-hmm. So I had that safety net of doing that, yes. um, but on my own terms. And then I, I started to acquire equipment and build my own sort of home studio in our basement is, um, where I, where I did it. And then I got into a couple of shows like the Muskoka Arts and Crafts show is a well-known summer show. Um, hasn't happened for two years because mm-hmm. <laughs> of COVID, but I got into that right away. And I, I had been involved with the organization that um, organizes that event. And I got into one of, a, one of a kind quite early, which was super lucky because I'd been told that like jewelry is such a competitive category at a show like that, that I was told someone had to die for me to get it. Because <laughs> once you're in, you're in, like you don't have to be rejuried. So yep. I got in and um, yeah, that was a, that was a huge boost for me right away. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely want to circle back on that and like how you got into those trade shows and that, but um you know, so let's give the listeners some context, I guess. So when somebody asks you who you are and what you do today, what is your pitch for your business? Jeez. (laughs) No pressure. It's all so tangled up in like how messy everything is right now, but I feel like in the olden days, (laughs) pre-pandemic, well, I make jewelry that has it it has a strong um focus in the natural world and i um my designs are sort of a stripped down minimal um depiction of of natural objects so it's trees flowers um i'm trying to think of what else ferns it's a lot a lot of organic material um and yeah (laughs) that that's been my focus for for a while for me i i dabbled in a lot of different aesthetics and i just kept coming back to that i'm a huge gardener i spend a lot of time hiking i'm outside all the time so um it just and and just everything that's going on environmentally it just made sense to me to sort of hone in on on why i care about the natural world Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's sort of, um, the majority of my designs are, are in that vein. I love that because I'm often working with people who want to start a business and they're kind of always thinking, well, yeah, I want to start my own jewelry line, but what's going to make me unique or what's going to set my jewelry apart. Right. And it's often the unique differentiating factor it's within your passion you know it's like well who are you and what can you infuse into this industry to make your product unique and in your case you're kind of saying yes you are very skilled at making jewelry and then you also have a passion for gardening and nature and then Mm -hmm. when you fuse those two together you become the best jeweler to create pieces that reconnect you with nature and that you know depict the scenery around us and the earth and i just think that's um something that is so special about starting a business is that you get to fuse who you are with your talents and your skills and your gifts A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. 
If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchase by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, finding those um, stories within like why I gravitate towards certain plants or um, that that's become a big part of, of uh, describing my jewelry and telling the story of each piece is, is finding those. They're often like scientific or um, just, just details about specific plants that I find interesting. And that also that kind of resonate with, with uh, human nature as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we hear all of the time how important storytelling is in building a brand. Um, and I know that is something you are particularly passionate about. And you say that every product you create does have a unique story. So I'm curious, how do you communicate that story properly to your potential customers? Because yes, you know the story, you're the visionary, you're the artist, but how do other people really get into the storytelling of your physical products yeah well for me because I'm not like I'm not and I'm an introvert and I'm not I'm definitely not an extrovert I love writing and so when I finally actually the pandemic this is one of those COVID silver linings gave me a chance to finally create a proper e-commerce site um which I'm still building but I have it's you know I have my my process all streamlined now. It's just a matter of photographing and writing more, but um, it gave me a chance to actually sort of narrow down the pieces that fit within that that vision and to actually write those stories. And it's made such a huge difference um, in terms of my own sales, like just that because people can spend that time on my website and read more about the piece that, you know, I was so accustomed to doing trade shows that you're not always gonna be able to tell those stories to every person in your booth and like a million times over in eloquent language totally. <laughs> you've been there for 14 hours. Mm-hmm. You're like, here it is. Do you want it or not? <laughs> yeah. And I'm more of a writer than a talker. So for me to be able to put that down into words and to take the time and to have the photographs alongside it. Um, and then that automatically gave me something to feed into social media, um, which is something I've struggled with for years. Cause I hate talking about myself. Yeah. So, so I found for me, the most effective way is, is to have that my website and to, to have taken the time to have written a really thorough, engaging product description. And I've also started um, printing cards that I include with the pieces um, when people purchase them. And it's made it um, a lot easier for people to, to use for gift giving too, because um, I often draw parallels between, you know, how a particular tree grows and how we grow in life and sort of those metaphors that go. And so it it just, it lends itself to, to people choosing a piece of jewelry because of a time in their life or something they're going through. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think like we bond over stories, right? That's like the oldest form of marketing is just storytelling. And when we feel a connection to a story, we naturally want to know more or we want to have a piece of it, which is the product, right? So I think that's really cool. And the other thing I love is that, you know, you acknowledge the fact that you're an introverted business owner, but there are so many ways you can use that superpower Mm -hmm. as an introvert to write really compelling descriptions and to make those really cool cards that you include in the packages. And just goes to show like, you don't have to be extroverted to run a business because, you know, both have their their drawbacks and both have their perks, right? You may not want to show up on Instagram stories every day, but you have the gift of writing words onto paper. And so, you know, recognizing what it is that are your innate characteristics and how you can maximize that as an entrepreneur, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like to have the time to 
go through sort of my collections and and write that it's it's something that was a back burner thing because I was always doing shows and because yeah. I'm a one person business it was like oh well, I'll get to that but when because I'm always in production for making work for shows and and I had that running list you know of like things I should be doing it'd be mm-hmm. really great if I did but I was of like course. I don't have the energy or the time mm-hmm. so last year because I did with no shows um I was able to sort of dive into that and it was really energizing for me to actually mm. like just such a great exercise to go back and look at you know specific designs and um kind of fall in love with them again and remember why I made them yeah 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 um I want to kind of pause on the trade show thing for a while do you attribute a lot of your growth in the early days to showing up at these shows and markets yeah, yeah as much as I like I've done one of a kind for 12 years and it's like, I mean, it's the most exhausting because it's, it's It's a a long, long, yes. (laughs) It's a long haul. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's, yeah, there's no, for me, I find no better way to quickly get your work in front of that many people um, because it's just, I mean, social media is one thing and the different ways that you can try to get more people to see your account. It's not the same as interacting with someone in person and them actually seeing your work. And yeah. um, those are the people when you meet them in your booth and then they do follow you on social media. Those are like the true followers who are going to engage with your mm-hmm. content online too. And I just, it was interesting having a year off of shows because yeah. I was really burnt out on doing them because it's, like I'm you know early 40s but I'm like I can't keep doing this like it was fine when I was 28 yeah (laughs) and I'm in great shape it's not it's just like packing my vehicle one more time and like just I don't had this like I can't do this forever it's not and then also like I should I should be able to push my business in another direction but I kept coming back to it because it's so reliable (laughs) Totally. And just such a great way to find new people. And I also, like, I love talking with the other exhibitors. Like, mm. it's it's sort of also a mini kind of conference for all of us to hash out how our year's been, what's working, what's not working, changes yep. in the market, all of that. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, not having one of a kind last year, especially, like, that's a huge chunk of my income and... It was, it was interesting. I had a great, because I had built my new website. I had a, like lots of online sales around Christmas is usually my bus, busiest time. And as great as it was to still be home, but I, it got to be that like the number of emails back and forth with people asking questions like, well, how long is this chain or where it would have been an exchange of like one yeah. second in person. And then it'd be like over days. Yep. <laughs> and then like, oh, we're, it says your postal code isn't right. And then the, like the packing and the shipping and cause I live out of town, like getting to the post office or wherever, and then things getting lost. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Actually, maybe it would just be easier to go to the show, <laughs> to pack my car and go to the show. <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean, because I I used to work in the trade show circuit, too. And it's like those days are long and they are exhausting. But the benefit is that your customers are right in front of you. And people who have never tried your product are coming by your booth for the first time. And there's a very organic connection that happens when you're just saying hello to someone. And would you like to try on my product? And you said, too, like you get to connect with industry peers. It's like all these other makers and crafters which is so valuable. Like that's almost half the reason why I love trade shows was seeing all the other booths and connecting with the other business owners and that, but it's mentally quite draining. It's like, is this a sustainable strategy or will I burn out and start to resent these in-person interactions at trade shows? Cause it's, um, you have to be on for like these 10 hour days. Right. But I feel like it served you obviously quite well in the early yeah, stages. For sure. <laughs> for sure. And it was a weird, like the first year that I did one of a kind, I was pregnant with our eldest and he just turned 12. So it's like, I went through some very hard years of like breastfeeding and like having to pump when I was there or like my husband yeah. and kids came down to Toronto. And then it got to the point when they were sort of old enough that I just would be gone for two weeks or I would come down home for part and like get someone to work for me. And then mm-hmm. the past maybe five years, I just leave for two weeks and I'm gone. And it's yeah. kind of my weird holiday. <laughs> 
a weird work holiday but yeah you're getting out of your house but honestly not having to like to be able to turn off my mom brain and not worry about where the kids need to be and yeah. what what I'm making for lunches for them exactly um, I actually come back sometimes feeling more well rested mm-hmm. <laughs> even though because when I'm there I, I have a couple of friends who will work some shifts for me because I always like to enjoy the city when I'm there yeah um but for the most part I work the whole day alone so mm-hmm. It's um, really long days, but um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also just can focus on my business. Like it's. Yeah. It's like CEO time, right? You're still yeah. working on your business, but you have all of their distractions off and you just focus yeah. on like yeah. me and, and my business. Yeah. And seeing, and also seeing that many people inter- interact with my work. I come up with so many more ideas and how I want to change oh, things. Yeah. It's just like a flood of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, how do you get ideas, fresh ideas, creative ideas for different pieces or just like new products? Like where does that creativity and inspiration come from? Um, all over the place. Like sometimes it's very material based. Like I'll be working on one design and then just be playing with shapes um, and get an idea for something that I try or I'm out in the garden and see a particular like leaf pattern or you know, out in, in the woods and see sort of a pattern on, on the water, like, or drops of water. It it can kind of come anywhere. I take a lot of weird photos on my phone (laughs) that won't make any sense to anyone else, but it's more about textures and, and patterns. And then I often do a lot of research after that. If there's something I found in the natural world that I'm just curious about and, and often that will spark something But so, yeah, so it can be, it can be anywhere where, Mm -hmm. but I, and it does on occasion happen in the studio too, when I'm working on something else and just like playing with shapes or I mess something up, but like melt something in the wrong way and like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if this could be, yeah, Mm -hmm. experimentation's big too. That's so cool. And I think that we all have that ability to like look at a puddle or a leaf and be like, wow, yeah. how could I get inspired by that? But yeah. I think there's this mindset a lot of people have that's like, I'm just not creative. Like I don't see any inspiration in a leaf and how I could translate that into my business. So yeah. do you think that are we all innately creative or is that a skill oh, yeah. that you have and that you hone in on that other people don't. No, I think that everyone is creative, like in various ways. Like, I mean, mechanics working on an engine are creative in the ways that they problem solve. And like, I just, I don't know. I think it's just about trying different things with your brain. Really, <laughs> Like yeah. I don't, I, people say that to me so much when I'm in my booth, they're like, oh, I'm not creative at all. <laughs> like I hear that. Yeah. It's one of the most common comments, but it's, I, I think they're just looking at it specifically in an art, con- art based context. Then there's just so many other options for creativity. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I see that in parenting too. Like I, I'm a, tourists and I tend to be very organized and like regimented and not that adaptable so it's like parenting is I struggle with the creativity of like but my plan was to do this yes (laughs) and I see other people parenting in such creative ways so it's like it doesn't yeah I I I don't buy that when people say it I don't either. And I think that is like a mindset block that they need to release. Like when you say I'm not creative, it's like, well, if you keep saying that, you're definitely not. But if you walked around the earth saying I am creative, I get inspired, like you'll start to pick up on that and you'll start to see things that you'll never see when you just say I'm just I'm not the creative type. It's like, well, okay, you've decided that already. So I guess that's why yeah. you're not getting any inspiration. Well, and I think sometimes they, they, they associate it too with like working with their hands. And I think like, so, yeah. I mean, no, you probably couldn't make this thing that I made, but there's like the whole 10,000 hours thing that I've, you know, I've done this for a long time. So I yeah. bet if you did it for that long, you would do it too. <laughs> like totally. there's a lot of work. Like it's, mm-hmm. yeah. So that I never, that, that comment never sits well with me. <laughs> 
either. Yeah, I was uh, chatting with a friend recently, and she um, she has this whole framework and presentation that she gives around the words that we label ourselves with and how so often people just say the noun. They're like, I'm an engineer or I'm a doctor, but she encourages people to put an adjective in front of it to really uncrack that. So like, say you say, I'm an engineer. It's like, you're allowed to say, I'm a creative engineer and like, take yourself outside of the box. Like just saying you're an engineer, we don't know a lot about that. But like, if you pair it with an adjective, like what is that word that describes who you are as an engineer? And so, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just love the idea of like allowing yourself to describe yourself in, in unique ways, uh, rather than just putting yourself in this tiny little box. Totally. Yeah. Um, aside from trade shows, I'm curious, like, especially recently with the pandemic, what have been some of the ways that are working in terms of helping new customers to find you? Like, how are you connecting with prospective customers or clients? Have you been feeling a bit lost, confused on your next steps, curious about what it would be like to start an online business and work for yourself? Well, the Visionary Method is a seven-step framework and accountability system that will help you to start making money and stop procrastinating the life you're here to live. We've helped hundreds of people just like you to make their first 50000 in their online business by packaging up the skill sets that they already have inside of them. So visit KelseyRidal.com and click on the Work With Me tab if you want to learn more. We would love to get on a call with you and see if the Visionary Method is the right fit for you. Again, KelseyRidal.com. Just click the work with me tab and learn more about the visionary method. I would say it's mostly been social media and my existing um, customer base. Mm. Uh, People were really great about, especially in the early days of the pandemic, about supporting small businesses that they, they just they they knew that not that we were struggling but i'm i mean i know because my husband's a photographer when it was like last march we do maple syrup and we were sitting in the sugar shack and we were like do we have jobs still <laughs> what is this going like what is this gonna be i know yeah <laughs> so and you know like questioning our life choices and all that mm-hmm. um but figured we might as well make maple syrup <laughs> I was going to say, couldn't you just make maple syrup full time and call it a day? We don't have enough trees for that. It's a lot of work. Plant a few more. That could be your (laughs) retirement plan. (laughs) Totally. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think social media was was huge. Um, Actually, the necklace that I have on this little house. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, yeah. Making it funny. Um, I made this in April last year. just based on the idea of being like at home that we were all all at home. And my mom used to have this saying that like when I was a kid and I was like, what are we doing today? And are we going anywhere? And she's like, no, we just, we're just going to be plain today. Plain. Yeah. We're going to be plain. And that meant we're just going to stay home and, you know, I love it. Play in our rooms or read or just have a chill day. And it's funny because I do that with my kids too. Not now because we don't go anywhere. Yeah. Every day is plain day. (laughs) But I would do that too. And I was like, they've had a lot of like, they just need a home day, like to just chill out and um, be plain. But yeah, it was sort of in my mind, I was like thinking about how much we were all stuck at home and that, that um, it just reminded me of my mom saying that, that it's, it was a chance for all of us to practice being plain and just like, Mm -hmm chill out and now I think we're at the point where we've chilled out for long (laughs) but um anyway when I made these pendants it really resonated with people so I had a huge like huge I'm so thankful for it surge and like I was making these houses like crazy um for months so it just um and it and again it was really proved to me about how the story is means so much to people and um yeah I have so many people have told me that they just that wearing the pendant too has brought them a lot of comfort during this time that reminds them to be thankful that they have a home and a safe place to be and yeah Mm -hmm. but it was and it was it was a really great boost for me too because it was at the same time that I was sort of rebuilding my website and it just I I got a lot of shares and new people and that was super helpful. And, and also um, with the gallery that I have in Bracebridge, I had opened it um, 
right before the pandemic started. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. How, how is that going? <laughs> well, it was a it's a joint venture with my dad because he, as I mentioned, my parents collected art forever and my dad has continued on with that in his retirement. So we'd always joked with him that um, he needed to open a gallery because it was just getting out of hand. <laughs> There's yeah. no space for all the yep. painting. And this building came up in Bracebridge. It's a really cute little old brick house on the main street. And I'd always in the back of my head thought maybe I would like a storefront. Um, couldn't decide because I also love working out in the country and having my private studio here. Yep. Um, but just was thinking for growth of my business that it would be great to have like a, a static place, brick and mortar shop where people could go rather yeah. than setting up appointments at my studio and making people drive half an hour out here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this building came up and we went for it and I opened like right after one of a kind in 2019. So like a week before Christmas. And then I was closed until January and then was open for like all of six weeks, basically. I guess it was two months. And then, yeah. And then there was a pandemic. So, which was crazy. But what I was going to say is that the gallery also was super helpful for me during the pandemic, because I actually was so thankful for having that space when we were allowed to reopen, I guess, at the end of May, early June um, last year, that uh, it brought a lot of people, new people who were interested in fine art in into the gallery, and they learned about my work, too. So I, which was funny to me, because I've been in the area for so long. And I was like, just assume that most people knew about my work, which is foolish to assume yeah. things like that. But um, yeah, it, it's so having that space has been really helpful, but it's also been super stressful because <laughs> I haven't been able to be open. So yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, du- uh, a couple things I want to double tap on there. First yeah. of all, I love the story of the house pendant. And one of the things that I always teach for people uh, who are building a marketing strategy is that you have to create relevance in your content. Like half of marketing is having a relevant message, something that lands with the conversation that's already going on in your consumer's mind. And I think this is the perfect example of that. It's like COVID's happening, we're all at home. And what you did was you saw that as an opportunity to create something that almost piggybacks on this relevant event uh, that everyone can kind of bond over. And then what you did also that's genius is add the storytelling to the sale of the actual physical jewelry. So I just wanted to share that because I think it's brilliant and uh, just such a great way to connect with people and to give them exactly what they want, right? Like regular jewelry maybe wasn't as appealing, but something with a good story that really resonates with this whole stay at home order is absolutely meeting their needs. So I think it was, it was the first time that that sort of happened. And I also was in April, so it was right before Mother's Day. So, so many like mothers and daughters, and I had people buying like 10 at a time for like all the women in their life or, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I was kind of like, oh, this is what you do. (laughs) This is how you like, um, which was, and it's funny because I'm, I'm really bad about stuff like that. I was like, I'm capitalizing on a pandemic. And fortunately my dad is, is an excellent business, retired businessman. He's like, just stop it. <laughs> I know. There, I, I see that sentiment and I definitely felt a little bit the same way at some point, but it's like, oh wait, but that was not your mentality no, at all. Like exactly. you were just worried people would I perceive know. it that just way. Like, I get like that. I have that voice in the back of my head that I have to be like, yeah, that's not why I did it. And no, exactly. And it also was just so like at such a time when everything like my prospects for my for income last year were like every show I was in was canceled. Like and I knew I had the gallery, but the gallery is closed. So yeah. mm-hmm. I'm like, how are we going to make any money this year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, you did have to launch yeah. a new product. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was, was all good. <laughs> Absolutely. And so now with things kind of getting back to normal, what is the plan for the gallery? Like what's the, the vision there? Tomorrow, I was, I at first was like, oh, I better open today, but I don't. One more do. day. <laughs> One more day One won't more hurt day. anyone. <laughs> yeah. And also like our kids are still doing school from home. So I'm not going to probably be three days a week to start and ease into it. Just, yeah initially you know I wanted to have all new work in the gallery and open every day and I'm like I can't that's not realistic and uh, 
Mm -hmm. Nope. So I'm going to ease back into it. Um, And it's, I was pleasantly surprised last year, just the um, number of sales. Like it's uh, initially the plan was to have just paintings in my work. Um, And then I ended up bringing in some craft just because a lot of my peers um, there's no shows. So they were looking for other options. So I have some textile and pottery and uh, metal work in there as well. But um, I was just really pleasantly surprised. Like, the, I think the seasonal residents in Muskoka were around a lot more and for a lot longer last year. Yeah. And um, I had people walking by who had gone to pick up like takeout across the road and came in and bought two paintings. So wow, which I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe this wasn't a stupid idea. Because <laughs> it's just I mean, I, I know that a, a gallery is a slow build anyway, like it's not you know, going to be a huge money maker immediately, but it, um, it just really, it gave me a lot of hope and a lot of people, it was so lovely to see coming in the gallery. Cause we have a mix of historical, like there's some original group of seven paintings wow. and, and there's also contemporary work from, um, local artists and then from other artists, like from the GTA area cool. and just watching people come in and be around art again Mm. they were so appreciative and just like spent so long and I just it just felt so nice to see people like really connecting with art um felt like a public service actually (laughs) but definitely they're like have I been in here too long I was like take your time (laughs) absolutely yeah Yeah. and I have I have a feeling it will be similar this summer too but it's just um people have missed culture so much in-person culture. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Even just like the thought of walking into an art gallery right now, I'm like, that feels like a warm hug to me. Yeah. Like it's just something that we have not been able to do. And we forget how much spaces like that really enrich our life. And, you know, I just think there's, there's nothing that can compare in the online world to what it is to walk into a brick and mortar shop and especially to like stumble into it when you didn't even know it was there and then to meet one of the owners and then to have this experience taking in the art on the walls and then maybe to walk out with something like I I just think that is the best way um, for people to experience your work and uh, to find products they love. Like there's just something that doesn't translate in the digital world like it does yeah. with a true experience where you're face to face with someone. So I'm excited yeah. for you to be able to open up the gallery and finally, you know, hopefully have a full year in business where it doesn't well, shut down. We had intended because I opened like right before Christmas, we'd intended to have a grand opening like last May. And I feel like I've, I've like opened and closed and reopened like five times <laughs> So it will be a grand opening. Maybe one day we can have a grand re, 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 re opening. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. So you obviously wear a lot of hats right now, like with the gallery Mm -hmm. and with running your online shop and then obviously with your family. I'm curious, how do you manage your schedule? Like, do you have every minute calculated or do you just like give yourself grace and go with the flow every day? Um, I, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a bit of a planner and that that's my comfort zone. Um, and I feel like this whole past year and a bit has been an exercise in sort of letting go of that a little bit. Yeah. And actually having kids has been an exercise in letting that go a little bit Mm -hmm. too. But, uh, yeah, I have sort of given up planning much beyond a few days in advance <laughs> and also um just because my husband's a freelancer too he may have things that pop up too so it's at, at this point we basically have a meeting every night to say what's tomorrow look like yeah yeah <laughs> and then figure out all the pieces and who needs yep. what when and um do our best uh in normal times <laughs> it's I I'm like a paper agenda kind of person Um, I just like to see it I still use my computer calendar and all of that and I also have a big whiteboard in the studio now too so that I can sort of do a brain dump of all Mm -hmm. the things that I think of when I'm driving like where I'm like oh yeah I have to do that oh yeah so I have like a giant list um, that's like all the things and then my agenda kind of serves as like to streamline what I need to do yeah this week sort of Mm-hmm. I'm a systems person, so I've like dabbled in all kinds of systems. I don't know if they're terribly effective or not, but this I feel like right now there's a lot of just like coping and adapting going. 
<laughs> totally fair. Yes. And I think that's quite normal. Um, yeah. I love that you'd still do the paper and pen system too. Like yeah. for me, there's I nothing. Back to that, like in the past, I don't know, two years. Cause yeah. I was, I got to the point where I was using like my, my Apple calendar because both my husband and I use it and I would print out one week at a time and then like add in like use that as and I was like I should just get a nice agenda yep because mm -hmm. it's very satisfying having a nice little book yeah especially when you can like cross things off and check things off there's just nothing that can replace I still like I digitize my whole calendar but I still have like papers all around me with what I need to do and my checklist it's just I don't know there's nothing that can replace that in my opinion no, I agree. <laughs> so you say you're kind of like the planning type, but mm -hmm. then this year has forced you to kind of like only think a few days in the head ahead. So I'm curious, do you have a vision for where your business is going or are you kind of letting it unfold as each passing month comes by? I, I am more of a let's see how it unfolds, but yeah. I often have a like... I don't know if that's the right way to approach it. Like I, I have that, like maybe I Who should knows? sit down, you know, every January and have a real, like, mm -hmm. where do I want to be at the end of this year? But it, it never seems to happen that way. And I also like my, I feel like my, I think um, like, I just, I, it's my year kind of has the ebbs and flows. Like I work, 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 work till um Christmas or just after Christmas and then January I have those plans like oh I should you know sit yeah. down and have a like envision where I'll be at but I'm always burnt out in January and yeah. I just want to like go skiing in the woods <laughs> I hear ya and you know what the reason why sometimes I ask that question is because I want to showcase the fact that not all business owners have this like master calculated plan. Yeah. Like sometimes we do just honor that, you know, this season I'm just going to go with the flow and then maybe next year I'll write a master plan and it probably won't come true. So I'll adapt it. And yeah. it just goes to show that like, you know, we don't have it all figured out and that's okay. You can still yeah. have success and you can still do what you love without having this 40 year vision written out uh, in some master Bible somewhere. Yeah. I tried to do a business plan at one point and um, I followed along with a few different formats and even one that was geared towards creatives, but I just like, it, it kept occurring to me that a lot of it, like I'm a one person show here. So yeah. I, I get the problem with being a planner and liking to be organized is that I get caught up in the minutia of the like, like systems and like making sure everything, like I have a recipe book for my, like my designs that I follow and I like will get really into really organizing that. And then I'm like, is this the time I spent on that? Seems yeah. it's just for me. If it, is it really going to benefit me? Or is it just that I like it to be nice and tiny? Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you could pour it and I was like, wow, I haven't made any jewelry in two weeks. <laughs> That's the balance of like, okay, you are the creator and the artist, but you're also the admin, you're the marketing, yeah. you're the sales. And it's like having that balance. And at some point you have to say, where can I best spend my time today? Yes. Well, and and I actually had a business mentor at one point and he was like, you know, Miranda, I don't think you need to do a business plan because it was like another project for me that took me away from my actual work. <laughs> yeah, you're like, and it was like just looking at the benefits, like the return on the investment of time that was like, mm -hmm. I mean, broad strokes, yes, it's good to have sort of a plan and goals, but mm -hmm. um, getting into like the minutia of a classic business plan when I'm not going to have employees necessarily right away or maybe yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't need to write a handbook. You myself. don't need to write a handbook. Exactly. The handbook's in your head right now. Yeah. And yeah, maybe one day when you have a team, you'll have to yeah. get that handbook out onto paper. But you're right. Like, just stay in your craft right now. Yeah. Keep the joy associated with yeah. business rather than making process on document, on, you yes. know, list. And, you know, yeah. sometimes that can actually reduce the amount of fun that you're having because you feel yeah. like you have to do all this back end stuff and it takes you away from the whole reason why you yeah. got into business in the first place. Yeah, totally. And even sometimes with social media, like where I'm like, I should make a schedule about posting. And then it, for me, it's like, I'm not excited about those things that I'm yeah. posting about. <laughs> totally. Cause it's not that. in the moment. Yeah, exactly. So let's shift gears into some Bracebridge specific questions. So I'd love to know, why do you love Bracebridge? Like, what is it about this small town that just really clicks with you? 
I think for me, and I, I don't know, it may be because there's a level of familiarity having grown up there. Um, I'm just, it, I feel so comfortable there. Like it's just, it's such a yep. sweet little town and I love the sort of historic aspects of it, like the old buildings and on the streets adjacent to the downtown and also the, the main street. It's just, mm. I don't know. I, it, aesthetically, I really love it. Yeah, yeah. that's perfect. What advice would you have for somebody looking to start or grow a business in a smaller town? Um, I think it's the networking piece. Like for me in the early days, like the word of mouth and, you know, my elementary school teachers who all bought work from me and my, you know, aunts and uncles and all those people. I think it's, it's, um, that's such a important way to start is start with those you know, those people close to you. And just if, if you're moving to a small town to start a new business is getting to know the people and because word of mouth is you can't really beat that, especially in yeah. the early days. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good advice. And final question, what's your favorite place or space in Bracebridge, whether it's a store, a nature spot or a place we've never heard of before? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. One suggestion, maybe two. <laughs> uh, I think I would just straight up go with the falls, like yeah. the river and the falls. Mm -hmm. um, Cause where I grew up was just sort of up the hill from there. And we always walked on the trails and like the little bridge, you can go right over the falls. And I just, it's, you can get such close access to the water there and it's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I, I love the whole, the whole downtown, but that's, that's pretty special that that's right in, in the downtown. Yeah. And for people who are going to be coming to Bracebridge this summer, or maybe they want to shop your work online, uh, tell them all of the places where they can connect with you, find you and say hello. Okay. So, um, my website, which is mirandabritton.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and the gallery is, uh, brittongallery.ca and it's on the main street in Bracebridge. Can't miss it. <laughs> yep. 169 Manitoba. Um, yeah. Those so good. We is. will link all of that in the show notes so that people can go okay. check you out and definitely go scope out your amazing work. Uh, Instagram is a great platform to go creep all of the pieces that you have. So, uh, Miranda, thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing so openly and authentically. We appreciate you and wish you all of the best for this season. Amazing. Thank you. It was fun chatting with you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.